Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet, maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one. Get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com. Promo code JESSE. This is The Jesse Kelly Show.
communism, fascism. Let me ask you something. Have you heard a leftist here in America call someone a fascist? Chris, Chris just nodded his head almost off his shoulders. I'm sure you have, haven't you? If you have spent two seconds in right-wing politics, you have heard the term fascist, fascism. He's a fascist. Donald Trump's a fascist. Fascist. You can't do that, fascist. Stop doing that, fascist. Why do you think that is? Oh, it's about to get uncomfortable today. Why do you think the common accusation from leftists is fascist? I'm about to tell you why that is. But first, let us rewind a little bit. Let us go down to a place you almost undoubtedly do not care about unless you're from there or your family's from there. And this is a place called Paraguay. You've heard of Paraguay. You probably, I would guess 95% of you could not locate Paraguay on a map. I will simplify it for you because almost Everybody can picture this. Everyone knows Brazil. Everyone can do Brazil. It's that gigantic fat country on the east side of South America. It looks like it takes up the whole daggone thing. Well, Brazil's southeastern, southwestern corner, landlocked, no ocean, which also hurts it, is called Paraguay. If Brazil was a human being looking west, Paraguay would be its belly button. And throughout history, it's been about that significant. Now, that is not ripping on Paraguay at all. Not that I would have any trouble ripping on Paraguay. As you know, I'm I'm a horribly offensive person and always will be. But Paraguay can only be what it is. It's one of those countries, and I'm going to have Paraguayan people furious about this. It's one of those countries maybe shouldn't have been a country. You see, remember, South America, when South America was colonized by the Spanish and the Portuguese, South America, just like every other part of the world, North America, Africa, Australia, all over, had indigenous people there. There were tribes, the Indians, South America had their own Indians all over the place. And the Spanish and the Portuguese spent their time colonizing the place, sometimes violently, sometimes not. I don't have to explain to you how colonization goes. Remember, I'm not one of these anti-colonization people. I'm not one of these pro-colonization people. It's just one of those things. It's the history of the world. Today, in this touchy-feely society, when everything white Europeans did is evil, and everything anybody with, with color in their skin did was saintly and right, of course, colonization has to constantly be painted as the greatest evil in the history of man. Come on. 
Obviously, there were parts of it are awful. Different countries did it in different ways. But nobody ever talks about how those countries, the places where it's been done, oftentimes now have a standard of living in 2020 that they never would have dreamt of before that. Sorry about the running water in modern medicine. But I realize there are several, there are ugly parts of it too. Just be careful when you when you're listening or watching to a documentary. These everything colonization wise will be that is evil. That's evil. But Paraguay, it almost wasn't really a country. Not only is it lacking an ocean border, it's really lacking any kind of a majorly significant body of water at all. And it's lacking natural resources. Paraguay is just, why? Now, that's not an insult on the people of Paraguay. I think it's cool they've actually carved a nation out of that. But historically, when you look at why nations were founded where, you can generally find reasons why beyond the history. There's a body of water here right on the border of the ocean, on the border of the sea. We have the river running through it. Okay, we don't have any of that, but we have huge mines. We have deposits of this. We have. You can find reasons for all of them. Paraguay is just kind of a blob stuck there. And that's going to come into play in our story. Now, let's fast forward. We're in the mid-1950s. And the 20th century was simply insane in South America because the story I'm about to tell you is a story I'll tell you about other countries in South America at various points. It was one of those periods of history that had coups and violence every other day. I mean insane amounts of it. And you need to realize how fresh... Paraguay is it? We're talking about a Paraguayan war in 1860. 1860, think about our Civil War time. They lost 60% of their population. All the huge countries around them, like Brazil, Argentina, Bolivia, they're always fighting wars with each other, trying to establish this border here. I want a little bit more there. And guess what? That doesn't go well for the peanut butter and jelly in between the two big pieces of bread, which is exactly what Paraguay was. Imagine losing 60% of the population. Waking up tomorrow morning, what is that? This is rough. I don't know the population anymore. I don't do math. But wake up tomorrow morning and find out 180 million Americans are dead. But they keep scratching their way back, and it's hard to scratch your way back. It's hard to scratch your way back when you lack the natural resources. You simply lack the wealth to do so. So when I say something bad happened in 1860 and then I fast forward to the mid-1900s, you need to get out of your mind, wow, that's a long period of time. No, it's a long period of time for America when you have infrastructure and resources and you just – you're. You, all you know, all I know is drowning in wealth. Other countries, you need help. You need help or it's going to take a lot of time, a lot of time to get back. 
And in the 1900s, here's what happens when you're dealing with these struggling nations. People are poor. People are poor. People still have pride about who they are, where they live, but they're poor. They're desperate. You have some kind of a military, and we've had this discussion before on the show. We will have it a thousand times again. Military coups are the norm throughout history because you're in a country, the country's poor, the people aren't happy, the government isn't stable, and it's not difficult to find a general, a man of some kind, who looks at the state of his country and then looks behind him at the most powerful military force in that country and says to himself, what's going to stop me? And some of these guys, to their credit, you know I don't like to historically judge people. Not too often, anyway. Some of these guys, to their credit, are trying to do good. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. They have really been a real bailout for me with my knee. I know that sounds ridiculous, but with my knee, it's been a huge help. This CBD stuff, it really, really works. It's extremely effective. And Doctors Trusted CBD, what I love most about it, one, they've been doing natural health care since 1999. They didn't just show up to this party yesterday. I love that. Two, they test it. They're testing this CBD. They sell the Be Best Organics full-spectrum CBD. You know they run a test on every batch? Every batch. It's not once a year. Every batch gets tested to make sure you always get the highest quality. That's awesome. Go to DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. That's DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That actually gets you 10% off your order. Jesse Kelly. Some guys, and I'm not talking about our guy today necessarily, although you don't know. You don't know people's motivations. When we talk about military coups, they're always, and this this bothers me. It does bother me because I think it lacks perspective. Whenever we talk about a military coup, a general taking over, one, we act like it's the most, it's the most tyrannical thing in the world, buddy. Feel awfully blessed you've never experienced one here in America because the history of the world says it's common. One. Two, we act as if the person pulling off the coup is always some evil monster. And listen to me, no question, sometimes they're evil monsters. 
Sometimes they start out good and end up being evil monsters. Sometimes they were evil monsters from the start. But you're an American. You've never experienced this. What if you were from Paraguay in the 1950s and your country has a coup every other week? Over 30 leaders in 50 years. Did you hear me? Picture you having so many coups, you have 30 leaders in 50 years. Now, are you still a bad guy? If you're that general with the army behind you and you say to yourself, I could probably lead this better than everyone else. Let me try and take over. I don't know that you are. I think that is an awfully privileged way to look at history. Now, to our guy. His name is Alfredo Stroessner. Alfredo Stroessner was just a regular military cadet in Paraguay in 1932. He is an odd duck, and this happens with so many of these dictators. They spend so much time once they take over one day wiping records, doing this and that. You can't tell what's real and what's not real from their childhood. Very much a working class guy. We do know that. He was in the military at the age of 16. We do know that. And he doesn't appear to be a remarkable military man, yet he rises really fast. There's some kind of charisma there. And as he rises through the ranks, he begins to gain power and gain power, starts to organize his first coup. This is, again, not abnormal. Not to defend the man, turns out to be a bit of a rough dude, but not abnormal. He attempts a coup... Boom. Fails. Manages, however, to escape to Brazil and hide out for a while. Now let's pause on all this South America stuff here for a moment and allow us to go to America. Post-World War II... America, it's not as if everybody was always naive to this, but America was really getting a full blast to the face on just how bad Stalin was, just how bad the Soviet Union was, and just how aggressive communism was. And Stalin was adamant about this. And you should know, there was actually some bickering within the Communist Party of the Soviet Union on how aggressive they should be with it as far as pushing other nations for it. Some guys were like, well, why don't we just be communists? And many guys were like, no, 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 no. Everyone needs to be communist. They viewed it as a worldwide and still view it as a worldwide revolution. And it's easy to mock American foreign policy and point out all the failures now. And look, I'm a non-interventionist guy, so I have a blast pointing out American foreign policy failures where we stuck our nose in something and it didn't work out. But here's the thing. 
I'm not necessarily 100% right there. 2020 is hindsight. It's easy today in 2020 to look back on something like Vietnam and talk about what idiots we were and what a scumbag LBJ was. No, he was a scumbag, but that was stupid and unjust and everything else. Well, back then we were very, very, very worried very worried about communism spreading across the globe. We were so worried we fought a war in Korea over it. We fought a war in in Vietnam over it. That was just what we did. And we didn't know how far it would spread. And we certainly didn't know that it was already here and growing internally. And that was America's foreign policy. Communism is spreading. We're scared to death of its spread. We have to stop it. And it went beyond that. It was much more than Korea and China and and Vietnam. And we're worried about this spread and that spread. It went way beyond that. We were worried about our very own borders. We were worried about South America and understandably so. Because remember what we just got done talking about. South America at this point in time was a new military coup every week. And the communists were very, very aggressive in South America. We were already dealing with commie revolutions. Cuba ring any bells? Bolivia? Not only were we worried about the communists, we had every right to be as far as South America becoming a communist haven in these various places. The American foreign policy was stop Communism, period. We don't really want to support this bad guy or that bad guy, but is he stopping communism or is he not stopping communism? Again, it's easy from our comfy chairs here in 2020 to look at some of these things we're going to talk about today and mock America. I One, one podcast I listened to when I was prepping for this show it's just, it was so mind-numbing, I almost turned it off, but I kept it on trying to pick up a little fact here, a little fact there, just dumping all over us the whole time. America's stupid. America's dumb. This was evil. How could we support this? Brother, communism is the highest of evils. Communism is the ultimate in atheism. It's the ultimate in murder. Communism is the most evil thing on this planet. A hundred million plus dead people in the 20th century alone because of communism. Communism is evil. Evil. And to our credit back then, not so much today, but to our credit back then, we knew it. We were trying to stop it. And we dang sure wanted to make sure it didn't come here. Now, let's go back down to Paraguay. Let's go back down to our boy Alfredo Stroessner in exile in Brazil. This happens a lot when it comes to coups and failed coups. And I I, I always find this part, and I know it's a minor detail, I find this part fascinating. Before I forget, it is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. We are going to have so much fun today because your questions are absurdly good, absurdly good. And you can call 
during the show, 877-377-4373. You're welcome to call now, 877-377-4373. You can also email during the show. We get them during the show and print them off, jesse at jessekellyshow.com, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Hang on. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. So, I've always found these coups and failed coups and ousted leaders fascinating when they go to a country next door and just hang out. And this is a minor detail in the story, and I'm going to move past it pretty quickly here because I do want to wrap up our story. We have so many questions. I only booked one guest for today. It's just going to be a fun fun show. So, I'm going to move past this. I'm trying not to dwell on this, but... What was Alfredo doing in Brazil? The only thing you can really get is he escaped to Brazil after the failed coup. Well, was he a bum begging on the street corner? Was he was he luxuriating in a mansion somewhere? Was he squatting? Was he on the beach? Was he a surf instructor? I want to know what he was doing, and they never talk about what they were doing. And this is going to come into play again later. What did he do? How long? What did he do? But he comes back. He comes back, does another coup, and becomes president. He becomes the head of Paraguay. Now, at this point, the United States of America, they're interested in Alfredo, interested in possibly being friends with this guy. But they're holding off for a couple different reasons. The main reason is, again, 30 leaders in 50 years. Why would we wrap our arms around a guy who's just going to be gone in another two days? So, I mean, let's look. Hey, Alfredo, congrats on winning. That's 
Congrats on the coup. Happy for you. So they're holding him at arm's length there. And there are already rumors beyond the coup, which those are very, very rarely nonviolent. There are already rumors that Alfredo is consolidating his power. Making sure he's on a bit of a solid footing. Making sure the opposition isn't going to be too bothersome. Now, I don't want to act like we're some moral moral giant when it comes to these things, but we do have in America a a real Christian founding of the nation, and that has always, to our credit, bled through our DNA, and we, we can get to this point where we're not really comfortable. I mean, yeah, he's killing some people. Okay, that's kind of too many people. You really shouldn't probably, uh, prob- maybe don't do that. Ooh, that's too much. And then he says he's going to have an election. Look, I don't want to be a dictator here. I'm going to have an election. He has he has an election. And I'm telling you what, his campaign ads must have been fantastic, Chris, because he got 98% of the vote. <laughs> Alfredo was a dynamite campaigner, everyone. No corruption there at all. of the vote. Okay, so now we're very concerned. We're very concerned about the killings. We're very concerned about the 98% of the vote thing. And international, foreign relations are funny. Your reputation's on the line if you're the United States of America and you acknowledge this government as legitimate. So there's always you wonder why the, to this day you'll see these weird pushes of I want you to I want you to pass a bill through Congress about the uh, about the Turkish genocide of the Armenians. I've had people ask me before that's a hundred years ago now. What what why do we care? The United States of America is so powerful, such a major country that we can give or take away legitimacy from people. When you give legitimacy to somebody, you're the United States of America, and you you say, hey, Paraguay, this Alfredo Stroessner is legit. He is a legit dude, elected democratically, I might add. What you're doing is you're giving other nations permission to then start trading and start relationships with them because, well, hey, I mean, America said they're fine. And it works the opposite way, too. When you say this is a tyrannical regime, this is illegitimate, you make other nations hesitant to trade with them. You can really, when you're powerful enough like we are, you can really hurt or really help somebody. A lot. And we're not sure what to make of this guy. He did have one thing we really, really love, though. He hated commies. And I mean hated commies. And this is a point in time, remember, we're very worried about communism. And there are coup attempts all over the place after he takes power, but he takes it and simply holds it better than the other guys do. He fights off the coups, and the coups start to die down a little bit. But here's the thing. 
He's fighting off coups. He's fighting off commies. And the coups are starting to die down. But the coups are starting to die down because Alfredo is taking some very direct steps to make sure there's not another commie uprising in his in his country. We like that he's fighting off commies. We don't like that he's killing people. And he went all in, I mean, full-out dictator at this point. His party was called the Colorado Party. I know that's confusing, so that's going to be the last time I say it. But his party's called called the Colorado Party. And it was one of those things where all the state employees, if you wanted a job with the state, you had to become a member of the Colorado Party. You know how this works, right? Oh, you want free medical care? Let me see your party card. Which party are you with? They designed a system. Have you heard that word before? They designed a system funneling every part of Paraguayan society into one party. And he does the thing that virtually every other dictator does. He starts what? He starts an internal state police force. Well, we have to investigate these crimes, right? And he continually is hiding behind. I mean, you guys just stop me if any of this starts to sound familiar. He continually declares a state of siege in Paraguay. What it does, what this state of siege does, not that we would ever do something like that here, but this state of siege does, it allows him to violate everybody's civil liberties. It's so the country can get through this period of turmoil. You see, there's danger out there, COVID. There's danger out there. So, look, this is obviously not what I want to do, but we are in such a dangerous position. I have to declare yet another state of siege. Sorry. That's detaining people indefinitely without trial. Oh, oh, you wanted to have a protest? Oh, no, no, no. No, those those are not allowed. What's crazy about the state of siege? Get this. In Paraguayan law, it had to be renewed every 90 days. It's just a temporary thing, right? And he renewed it every 90 days for 30 years. It's just a state of siege. Look, everybody, tell me if you've heard this before. If we don't give up these civil liberties, everyone's going to die. You don't want everyone to die, do you? Be a patriot and give up your civil liberties. Hey, this sounded familiar yet? This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Like a stain on your brain, you can't get out. You have to have a car shield auto protection plan. You just do. And (laughs) I didn't make up that story about the wreck. Guess what? I need it now more than ever. And here's the thing. I'm guilty of doing what you do. I put things off. 
especially things you don't feel like you need right now. I know what you're thinking. Well, I'm not going to get in a wreck. Because who, th- who plans on getting in a wreck? Well, uh, nothing's going to go wrong. My car is not going to break down because who plans for that? Something always goes wrong. Always goes wrong. And once it happens, it's too late. Once you're in that wreck in the parking lot, it's too late. Go to CarShield now and get your auto protection plan. Go to carshield.com. That's carshield.com. Use the promo code JESSE. That'll save you 10%. Carshield.com. Jesse Kelly. On air and online at jessekellyshow.com. the election was probably rigged and some people have had to die but he's killing commies eisenhower at this point in time who is president of the united states is well aware of how aggressive stalin's being around the world says hey paraguay what do you need well what paraguay needs now and forever is money Again, no ocean, no major body of water, and no real great natural resources. It's just it's just kind of crap. And I would insult the people there if I felt like I should. That is actually no insult. I've met some people from Paraguay before. The people, the culture's great. The natural resources just aren't there. They're just not there. You can't it's not their fault. You can't invent them. And what's amazing is so many of these places that don't have natural resources, they have something else they can sell you. It's just whether they embrace it right or not. There are tons of countries in the world that don't really have the resources and don't really have this, don't really have that, but they have some beautiful beach. Guess what, baby? We're a tourism destination. And they will engineer their entire economy around it. Mexico, Mexico has natural resources. But with the exception of drugs and energy... Tourism is number is is I, I actually think it's officially their number two industry, but I actually wasn't trying to joke. I think drugs are number two and tourism's number three, but Mexico just embraced it. Okay, uh, we may be lacking this, we may be lacking that. Guess what we do have? Pretty much the most beautiful beaches in the world. We got some good beer, pretty women, fun times, fun music. Come on down to Mexico, fish for some marlin, sit on the beach, bring the old lady down, have a margarita. It's fun, right? Embrace what you have. It's hard. I If it sounds like I feel bad for Paraguays because I do, what are they supposed to do? Obviously, they need money. Eisenhower strokes them a $50 million check. You know how much money that is in 1950, especially for a country like Paraguay? I bet you $50 million is a lot for Paraguay today. Eisenhower, 50 mil. Here you go. JFK gets in. JFK, a bit more sensitive to the human rights stuff. He gets in, and he doesn't like it. He doesn't like Alfredo Stroessner. He doesn't like these human rights violations. He doesn't like it at all. His stuff's got to stop. But 
You and I do this too. So I'm not going to dump on JFK. You can only prioritize so many things. And sometimes you take your firm stance. I will not do this ever. And you have to set it aside for bigger things. I've done this in my own life. I'm not going to name the airline. There was an airline out there that took this absurd social justice warrior stance. I'm not even going to tell you when this is, and it wasn't recently, so don't bother looking. Took this absurd social justice warrior stance, and I'm trying as hard as I can to stop funding the people who hate me. And I said, that's it. I'm never flying there again. I'm done giving them my business. I'm done funding the people who hate me. And virtually the next day, I think it was two or three days later, this incredible business opportunity, it wasn't a job offer, but a business opportunity arose, and I had to get there quickly and guess which one was the only airline that had the flights I needed to get me there. I'm as big a hypocrite as anyone else. I try, but it was, I'm never flying them again. I will fight for America. I mean, one one trip's not going to hurt. Didn't feel good about it, but we set things aside. John F. Kennedy gets into office. I don't like this Alfredo Stroessner. These human rights things, this voting, this stuff has got to stop. What? There are nuclear missiles in Cuba? Soviets more aggressive than ever? Potential nuclear war? Uh, uh, Alfredo, you're still killing, killing commies, right? Okay, well, well, don't worry. We'll worry about that human rights stuff later. Doesn't like it. Kind of moves right along. Now, John F. Kennedy dies. LBJ steps in. LBJ steps in. Not really as concerned about the human rights stuff as JFK was and ends up, we end up sending some troops. I'm not going to go into this. We end up sending some troops into the Dominican Republic. Again, we're real aggressive at this point in time to stop the spread of communism. And in maybe one of the all-time respect-the-hustle moves, Alfredo Stroessner sends 200 useless Paraguayan troops to the Dominican Republic to back his American friends. They show up. They're not even well-trained or well-equipped. They don't leave the base, never never hear a shot fired in anger, but in LBJ's mind, Alfredo Stroessner stood with America in our time of need. Yeah, we really needed him to put down the Dominican Republic. <laughs> but, so again, what is that? We're on president number three, Alfredo Stroessner. Guy's doing all right for himself. Those American checks are still coming in. And he ain't done yet. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. 
who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. LBJ's gone, and now, now we're dealing with Richard Nixon. I realize I fast forward a little bit. We're dealing with Richard Nixon here. We just kind of fast forwarded along. Richard Nixon steps in, and Richard Nixon does what, everybody? Richard Nixon begins the war on drugs, which I have to say has been hugely successful. We've been fighting that for 50 years now, and we have finally cleaned up the drug problem in America. Good for us. Richard Nixon starts the war on drugs. Now, now the war on drugs, it involved many things, but one of the things it involved was going after international drug dealers. International drug dealers. And and as it turns out... Paraguay add one. Whoops. Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. When you're a country without a lot of industries, sometimes drugs pay the bills, and it was no different in Paraguay. They had a drug problem. They had a drug dealer named Ricor. Nixon wanted him. Stroessner said no. Nixon said, okay, your aid's gone then. Stroessner said, actually, you can have him. Never mind. Gave him up. Now let's get to what was happening internally. This part is going to be really, really, really gross. I'm going to make it really brief because it's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday and it's a happy day, but I want you to understand it was more than just arresting people you didn't like and killing them and torturing them. They would do things like interrogate people while forcing them to sit in a tub full of Vomit and human excrement. 
I mean, who does? Who even thinks of stuff like that? And they would, and I'm going to stop after this. I'm not going into it anymore because it's gross and it's down and we don't need this on a Friday. They would torture people by taking a cattle prod and placing the cattle prod in an area. Yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about and lighting it up there. And something's very odd. This would be the last I dwell on this today about much of Latin America when it comes to their different forms of, of torture. Different countries do different things. But there's a lot of male-on-male humiliation in that way. A lot of it. And I see it all over the place in these coups and things like that in, in South America. It's because it's mo- more of a, a macho culture. And it, they're trying to degrade you and basically tear you apart in that way. But it was really ugly. And he finds some industry there, only there are some Indians on it called the Ache Indians. Pretty much kills them all. He's running a, well, somebody there is running a ring of underage girls. It's, I'm not going to sugarcoat what's happening inside of Paraguay. Have you heard of a man named Joseph Mengele or Joseph Mengele, the angel of death? I'm not going into his entire story. We'll do a show on that monster. He was the doctor at Auschwitz who separated off people, oftentimes children, and performed medical experiments on them while they were alive. I mean, maybe the most evil man who ever lived. He escaped. He escaped post-war and went to South America. There was this huge Nazi pipeline to South America where they escaped to. At one point in time, he made his way from Argentina to Paraguay because he thought the authorities were on him. He knew the Nazi hunters were all over him. He was welcomed with open arms in Paraguay, and they knew who he was. It wasn't like he snuck across the border with a fake mustache. Like I said, bad guy. Finally, Jimmy Carter joins in, and Jimmy Carter takes his human rights really, really, really seriously. Jimmy Carter actually starts to cut off Paraguay right at the time Paraguay signs a big deal with Brazil to to build a huge dam. It brought in all kinds of money, this joint venture. This freaking Alfredo Strasner was in power more than 30 years, could not shake this guy. Ronald Reagan takes over after Jimmy Carter. Reagan fires up the loans again because he needs Strasner to be anti-commie. Remember, Reagan was going after the commies hard, but Strasner by now is old, cannot control the men underneath him any longer. We have an American ambassador to Paraguay and the American ambassador to Paraguay and one of the all-time bonehead moves starts getting open threats against his life within Paraguay for speaking out. This is the United States of America. I do not know if we did this, but surprise, surprise, one of Alfredo Stroessner's best friends, a general, pulls off his own coup in the 80s, and Alfredo Stroessner loses power, leaves power, Escapes to Brazil, of course, again, where he stayed again until 2006. 
But back to the state of siege. You see it happening all across America right now, don't you? You're hearing the rumors. You're seeing the headlines. Cases are ramping up. Cases are ramping up. And I don't know about you, Chris. uh, My watch says it's November. Seems like cold and flu season is here. People, we made a tremendous mistake as a society. I understand you probably didn't. But as a society, we made a tremendous mistake when we told these scumbags that they could take away our liberty for the sake of a virus. We told them we are scared enough that you can take away our liberty for the sake of a virus. And now... They think they have that power. We've told them they have that power. Period. End of story. Leftists, people in general, do not give back power once they have it. They use it all the time. And this is my main concern. When are they going to stop? How much is it? Are we do we have to face a full financial collapse before they stop? We have Joe Biden already out there, advisor claiming national lockdown. We made a mistake. It's not a time to feel bad about it. It is a time, though, to resolve right now. You, your family, your friends, the next time. Everybody in your brother tells you we're all going to die if you don't just sacrifice your liberty. You tell them, go screw yourself, then I'll die. The state of siege renewed every 90 days for 30 years. You're still in year one of yours. Let's do better. All right, it's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday, 877-377-4373, 877-377-4373, or you can email throughout the show. Chris will get them, print them off, and give them to me. Allow us to begin. Dear Dr. Shogun Jesse Kelly, the Oracle, <laughs> Gosh. imagine you are shipwrecked on an island. And rescue is never going to happen. Ooh. Now that's heavy. Rescue is never going to happen. There are 17 females and three males all about the age of 25. You are considered the alpha in the group, obviously. How do you set up a social structure that keeps everyone from killing each other? Do you assign wives? Do you make monogamy against the rules? What situations do you see being unavoidable because of human nature? Ooh, we're going to get in trouble today. One of the biggest mistakes we have made as a country because we simply can't acknowledge human nature, doesn't make these people bad or that people bad, is we have allowed women to serve with men in military units. Don't email me and say, but my daughter, but this, I don't care. I have seen it firsthand. Biology does not change. 
A young person of that age. Well, hang on. We'll get into this. Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly Show. Car Shield Auto Protection Plans. Plans, plural. Because I've dealt with auto protection plan companies before, and here's what I ran into so, so often. I don't get options. I log into the website, or in the old days, you know, you'd have to call, and they offer one plan. Well, here's the plan we offer. What do you mean plan you offer? You're telling me that I, with a three- or four-year-old vehicle, I get the same plan the guy who got the brand-new car gets? I get the same plan the guy who has the 20-year-old car gets? Does that make sense? That tells me all I need to know about the quality of your plan, about the coverage of your plan. At CarShield, you get to choose from a variety, from a wide range of plans. Go get one. Go to carshield.com. That's carshield.com. Use the promo code JESSE. That actually gets you 10% off. Remember, a deductible may apply. Jesse Kelly. Back soon. Human biology cannot be defeated. The things I saw in the male-female mixed units in the Marine Corps, it just doesn't work. Do you know our naval readiness is absolutely in the tank and nobody will write extensively about it for fear of the social justice warrior backlash because... Women kept keep getting pregnant, oftentimes intentionally before they deploy, and that's before you stuff a bunch of 19-year-olds on a Navy ship and ship them across the water. What do you think they're going to do? There's a reason. I've never hired a young, hot woman. It screws up the office. All of a sudden, you can't get the dudes to focus. They're fighting with each other. It's a disaster. It's a disaster. What he just described, 17 17 females and three males, I don't even know. The, The thing is, it's impossible to keep them from killing each other. They would, it would be so full of rivalry and jealousy, people would die. I guarantee people would resort to murder. And there's nothing you could do. If I was an all powerful dictator, if I was the alpha of the group, which of course I would be, there's nothing you could do. And that's not an indictment on the men, that's not an indictment on the women. When I say that stuff, people think I'm dumping on women or something. That's human nature, Jack. It's human nature. It's how God made us. We are made to be attracted to each other. Dudes are attracted to hot women. 
Hot women are attracted to dudes. When they get together, especially when they're young and hormonal, they want to pursue that. That is the state of human nature. And so you have to acknowledge that. What I would do, I would get in the water and just start swimming until the sharks ate me. (laughs) Because, look, here's what would happen. And people hate this. But I don't care. It's not my problem. I'm not your mom. I'm your daddy. What would happen is the alpha dudes would get the hottest women. No question. Whoever the hottest one was, she would. if I was the alpha, she'd come to me. That's biology. That's how it works. The, hottest, the, the, the alpha dudes know they can have any woman they want, and they want the hottest one. And the hottest one knows she can have any, any guy she wants, and she wants the alpha. And they will go down the pecking order like that. So the three most alpha dudes would have all three women. The other dudes... Oh, there are seven. Oh, I read it wrong, Chris. I'm an idiot. There are 17 females and three males. Oh, my gosh. The women would murder each other. Because, look, and see, I'm going to end up insulting somebody's religion. I don't care. This whole polygamy thing doesn't work either. Women are fiercely competitive, fiercely competitive, and understandably so. Yeah, I'd still get, I'd still just get in the water. (laughs) I'd still just get in the water. You're toast. I know that's a bad answer. I apologize. But you, there's no way it works. It does not work. Got a couple podcast reviews. Chris, headline, role model for our youth and very handsome. <laughs> Jesse Kelly is legit. Love the history lessons and the views. The handsome works as well. Thanks, Jesse Oracle Shogun Kelly. All right, this we have a new one. <laughs> Dr. Jesse, oh, wise seer. I know this topic is third rail. Ooh, I haven't read this yet, Chris. I love third rail. That's right up our alley, buddy. I know this topic is third rail, but of all people, you strike me as the type willing to touch it while other so-called conservative pundits are talking about tax rates and foreign policy. Oh, boy, this is getting interesting. Now that a viable, or so they say, COVID vaccine is nearing rollout, do you believe that that it is an anti-vaxxer conspiracy theory to suggest that private and public entities will make the biggest power play in history of mankind to mandate this product for anyone who wants to partake in everyday life again. Do you see this becoming an accepted fact of life? Do you think people are really ready to fall for something like this? One, let's address your last question first. People are absolutely ready to fall for something like this. Many people, as we saw during the coronavirus stuff, are sheep who believe what the system tells them to believe. That's one. Two, many people are so sick of the lockdowns and can't do this and wear a mask here. They will take risks with their health, even whether you view it a risk or not, they will take chances in order to go back to normal. People are so sick of things right now. You watch when they roll out this vaccine, even people who are anti-vaccine will run out there and be all, just give it to me. Fine. I don't, I don't care. Just give it to me. I just want to, I just want to go to a concert. I just want to go to a football game. Give me the vaccine. People are going to take this vaccine in droves when it comes out. In droves. And here's what's wild about the vaccine thing. And mark my words, this is coming. Remember who the oracle is. This is coming. I talk a lot about the system. 
system is controlled by the left. The system exists only to aid the left. Any changes to the system in America are purged by the system. Part of the beauty, if you're on the left, if you're part of the system, if you believe that, part of the beauty of it is you own all of it, not the levers of government. Forget about Congress, the Senate, the presidency. That doesn't matter. You own all the regulatory branches. You own the local governments. You own the corporations now. You own the culture. The left or the right, it doesn't matter. They don't have to pass some vaccine requirement. You watch. Maybe some states or some local places will. You are not going to get a vaccine law. Corporate society is simply going to freeze you out of society if you don't get the vaccine. Ticketmaster already came out and said, They're not giving you concert tickets without a vaccine or a negative test. You prove to me you've had the vaccine or you're not getting concert tickets. People get so mad at Ticketmaster and understandably so about that. Ticketmaster is only the first. This is coming. This will spread far and wide in our society The second that vaccine is available. Oh, you want to get on this plane? Uh, uh, Uh-uh-uh. Where's your vaccine proof? Your child wants to go to school here? Uh, uh, Uh-uh-uh. Where's your vaccine proof? Oh, sir, you want to sit down and eat at our restaurant? Yeah, of course. Just show me your vaccine proof. It's going to spread all across the society. And that's not pro-vax. That's not anti-vax. That's liberty, baby. Once you own the entire culture, you don't need laws. Why would the left even risk the political capital of passing laws? You just get all the corporate people to do what you want anyway. All of them. And then you'll get lectures. How could you be so selfish? Just take the vaccine. Why are you selfish? Quit being selfish. Oh, yeah. Anytime somebody wants to stomp on your toes or take your liberty, that's first words out of their mouth. Quit being selfish. This is for the greater good. I saw some lady online, some lefty nutball, and that was her that was her argument. I'm totally for a mandate, a vaccine mandate. That means somebody's okay with throwing you in prison if you don't take a vaccine. And what were the next words out of her mouth? I can't believe how selfish some people are. Oh, yeah. Since 1999... The founders of Doctors Trusted CBD have been dedicated to natural health care and exceptional quality products. And here's what I love, below market prices. And when they say exceptional quality, everyone says that, right? Our, 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 our products are quality. This is quality. We've got quality products here. Well, how do you know that? Prove it to me. Are you just saying it or do you know it? You say that to Doctors Trusted CBD, 
they'll show you. You see, they test theirs all the time. If you're going through anxiety right now, and I know so many people are. If you're having sleep trouble, I know so many people are. Joint pain, things like that. Go to DoctorsTrustedCBD.com and get some of these products. Use the promo code JESSE when you're there. That gets you 10% off. Joining me now, who she has been all over this election stuff, the great Emerald Robinson with Newsmax. Oh, was I supposed to use a code name? I forgot to use code names today, Emerald. <laughs> You're going to have to help me come up with a good one. I will. I will. I want a code name, too. We have to be spies from here on out, which is fine. Emerald, tell me about Dominion voting systems. I hear this word. People have heard this word. They're trying to sort fact from fiction out there. What is it? Give it to me straight. Sure. So Dominion Voting Systems is a company that has voting machines and software, and they currently hold about one-third of the machines that are used in our elections. However, they're a Canadian-based company, as far as we know, with a headquarters that is in Denver, but they don't have a very good track record, right? They've drawn scrutiny for a couple years, and the mainstream media seems to have forgotten what they wrote about them themselves. Just a couple years ago, the security concerns, I was told by an election watcher on the ground who is also an IT expert in Georgia, that they have backdoor access, so they can easily be hacked. In Texas, going all the way back to 2013, they refused to certify or buy them on three different occasions. And yet, Jesse, these systems that have been shown to be susceptible to fraud, to to hacking, that was refused by Texas, was used in almost every battleground state in 2020, including Georgia. In June, in the Georgia primary, they had a lot of problems with the machines. Politico wrote about it. The New York Times wrote about it. There was all these concerns about it in 2019 when they looked at buying them. And now everyone is saying, oh, but they're, they're not problematic. They've been certified and approved. Also interesting is some of the things that happened leading up into the election. Like I talked to a source in Georgia today, and there's a lot of questions surrounding the Secretary of State there, Brad Roffensperger, and why he allowed these machines to be bought. And also he allowed an update to the machine to, uh, in one county two days before the election. That is in no way anything that anyone would ever do because it takes weeks to certify them and to prove that the software is okay and that it had nothing bad in there and that it's properly working. You would never allow that two days before a presidential election. Was the Trump campaign aware of this Dominion voting systems and potential problems pre-election day? I know they were lawyered up. I know they were looking into a lot of things. Were they aware of this specific potential problem? From what I understand, they have been aware that there have been concerns of, of, of Dominion voting machines, but to the extent of which I don't, I don't know. 
How is the Trump but, campaign handling this, Emerald? I, I, I don't want, I mean, I don't, I know you don't ever give me the company line. That's why I'm asking you. I, I, I don't want rah rah stuff. Are they doing well? Are they doing poorly? Are they, how are they doing? Well, it seems like there's two different factions, right? There are the, the faction of Rudy Giuliani, Lynn Wood, and uh, some of their cohorts who are really, really fighting for the president. And then there are others who are saying that this is such a long shot, basically saying there's no hope to concede. So that that's about the sum of it. Who's, two different teams. Who's saying there's no and hope? Then, who are the, what is this? Is this the Jared faction again? Yeah, and it's it's these Bush-type lawyers they've hired, right? The really fancy legal firms. And, in fact, one just stopped representing them today, Porter Wright, who was representing them in the legal cases in Pennsylvania. They face pressure from shutdown D.C. Do you know who that group is? It's basically Antifa. Um, They're responsible for the protests that we see here in D.C. outside the White House, right? Well, they've also organized to harass the president's legal team. They sent a – I'm on their listserv under, again, a code name. Of course. (laughs) And so they sent out an an email today saying, great, you know, congratulations, pat ourselves on the back. We got one firm to stop representing the Trump team in Pennsylvania. Now we got to go for another legal team. And they're literally going to – law firm, they're literally going to show up outside the building harass these people, and also their organizing teams to call. Good grief. Good grief. So, yeah, uh, the is not even allowed to mount himself uh, a legal defense. Oh, and guess who's involved in it? Who? It's our favorite people. The Who? Never Trumpers. Of the course. Lincoln Project guys. Of course. Of course they are. Working directly with this group. Okay, so we are now we are now making sure the Trump campaign can't even have appropriate legal representation. Uh, Emerald, what yes. do our chances look like? I, I, look, all you can find is either information that every vote was changed, or of course, all the idiot never Trumpers. Oh, there was no fraud at all. What's real? Yeah. What are the courts going to be able to actually do? Well, you know, I mean, it's probably going to go to the Supreme Court, and that's probably best case scenario for the president. But also, what we're not talking enough about, there's a lot about recount. There's a lot about mail-in voter fraud or, you know, checking the mail-in ballots. And But from what I'm hearing from people that are experts is that these machines that have already been shown to be problematic, the Dominion voting machines, there needs to be a nationwide audit in these swing states or swing state audit of these machines, forensic audit, to look at if they were tampered with, if there was any updates to them that we didn't know about, if there had happened to be any glitches, quote unquote, that went un- unreported, because they say you really can't know what happened until those are forensically investigated. So is that going to happen? Are, are, are the right people pushing this towards the right people? I, that I'm not sure of, uh, Jesse. Emerald. I've asked a lot of questions, but I'm not sure. Dang it. I just... I. I'm trying not to be a pessimist. I feel like there was a lot of really bad stuff that happened here, but I'm trying not to push bad info either. How much yeah. really bad stuff, in your opinion, I know you don't put up bunk stuff, in your opinion, how much bad stuff did we see? Was it enough to change the presidency? Well, look, you're seeing differing reports. I will say when I talk to statistical analysts who look at the data, they say there is quite the irregularities. And if you will, there was an article out today that suggested that there was a very high number of votes that were were changed. 
And if that is the number, then yes, it would change the outcome. Now, I want to preface that with saying I have been told that from people who have, you know, been privy to this evidence, but I have not seen that myself. So that's my disclaimer. But if some of these reports are true, then yes, it would have an effect on the results of the election. Is there a but also going after Pennsylvania is a big deal, too. So if the Supreme Court nullifies this uh, guidance that the Secretary of State there put out just on her own volition, which was unlawful, um, that could have a big effect, too, because that's 20 electoral votes. But then you'd have to have something else happen in other states as well, um, Georgia. Arizona or or Michigan, you know, the state legislature, some senators in the state legislature there are calling for an audit, and they specifically want an audit of those machines. That is included in their letter that they sent to their secretary of state yesterday. <sighs> Emerald Robinson. I mean, I'll, yeah. Newsmax, please stay all over this. Look, I would hold you all morning, but I know you're doing about 10,000 things right now, and I have so many questions. <laughs> yeah, Thank you sorry. so much. Next time, we're going to use super secret code names. We'll have to work that out on the air next time. We'll come up with some very cool ones. <laughs> Thank you, Emerald. Thanks, Jesse. Bye. Is it, is it okay to say I'm losing faith, Chris? Is that okay? I, see, that's here's the problem. It's not that I'm losing faith, faith. I just, the more this goes along, the longer this goes on, the more time I worry it gives them to line up a good old-fashioned screw job on us. I do. So I think 877-377-4373. I have to step out here and order some tacos. I'm just kidding. I'll be here in just a second. Jesse Kelly Show. On air and online at jessekellyshow.com. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Exalted Shogun, 
See, that's how you start off an email. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. Dear Exalted Shogun, do you think breaching a house as part of a squad in combat would be more or less effective if one member carried a sword? My theory is the enemy is expecting everyone to have guns. They'd be surprised. Well, no, that would not be a good idea. However, there is something psychological about being stabbed that is extra scary to people. And I'll give you a great example of this. Here's a little story for you. We are, we're in Baghdad. Uh, no, 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 no. But we're, this is after Baghdad. Sorry. We had already, we'd crossed the line, fought our way through Iraq, go to Baghdad. We then had to go back to a place called Najaf. And part of Najaf, the mayor had what they called the mayor's mansion, which you really appreciate the United States of America more when you see what some people consider mansions. But the mayor had a complex in Najaf. And to this day, I'm not sure what all the anger was about, but we got word that some people were getting really, really mad at the mayor. Something about broadcasting something or not broadcasting something. Whatever you toss out the leadership of a nation there's going to be some serious hiccups along the way as, as, as far as getting the new government worked out. It just takes time, and sometimes it never works. Sometimes you got to go back to the one you kicked out, but that's another story. The mayor's complex mansion is getting less and less and less safe. We are now assigned off and on to go over there and stand guard. A platoon or two, if I remember right. I think it was maybe more than a platoon. You need to think of a platoon. These numbers are not exact, like 30 guys. So let's call it let's call it two or three platoons, I think, because I'm going to have this story wrong. I should have texted my buddy and during the break. I wasn't sure I was going to do this. We get word there is a very large protest coming our way. Let's say we've got 60 guys. We look up this long road that leads away from the mayor's complex, and there is a sea of people coming towards us. Four or 5,000 people at least, and they are angry, and they're marching up the road towards the mayor's house. Very, very angry, loud, angry, and they march right up to us. We form a line in the road. Our weapons out and everything else, we form a line in the road. These are combat-trained infantry Marines who've already been through war. I mean, we are, we are ready to roll. And they stopped short of us, four, five, six feet short. That's what it felt like. Maybe it was 10, but they stopped short of us. And they're not peaceful. They are screaming at us. They're making, you know, that, that finger across the neck symbol. They, they want us dead. They want by. They want to kill people. And... My guys, many of my guys, their eyes were starting to get big too. It was it was a situation. I definitely thought there was a good chance I was going to die or we all were going to die. It was just one of those days. It's one of those days. It's combat. It happens. I'm walking behind my guys just telling them, hey, calm down, calm down, because I know you go popping off with your weapon in this situation. Now we're probably going to get torn apart because you don't have enough ammunition. There, there are too many guys there. If they mob you, if they choose to rush us, we're all dead, period. So calm down, calm down, don't shoot. I was one, Chris asked, was I the leader? I was one of the NCO's non-commissioned officers at the time. So we have, that means you have a bunch of young Marines that are pretty fresh into the Marine Corps. 
you've been in there three, four years, done pretty well for yourself. Yes, you are in charge. I, I'm in charge of my entire squad at this point. I have about 10 guys underneath me. Calm down, easy, calm down, calm down, calm down. We have some officers behind us, but we are severely outnumbered, and these people are angry. And they're not coming at us, but screaming at us, death threats and things like that, and we know we're in a really bad spot. Our One of our officers pulls up with a Hummer. I'll never forget this day as long as I live, and I don't remember his name now. He pulls up, and he has a loudspeaker on this, on this, on this Humvee, on this Hummer. Pulls up. Gets on the loudspeaker with a translator and lies to this crowd of 4,000. Tells them there's an entire battalion of United States Marines hidden right behind us. That'd be like 1,000 guys to simplify it. They're just hidden just out of sight. There's a whole battalion of Marines here. You need to disperse. They don't disperse. So he tells us. Now, now remember, they've been faced with Marines. Now they've been told there's a thousand more Marines. They're still not going anywhere. If anything, they're as angry as they've ever been before. And I will never forget this as long as I live. He says to us, fix bayonets. And we pull our bayonets out and snap them on the end of our weapons. Four, five thousand angry protesters turned around and walked away. There is something in the human mind about edged weapons being hacked, stabbed, sliced. Something in the psyche is uniquely scared of it. So maybe you should get a sword. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Chris asked, the, uh, asked Dr. Jesse question, why are angels in the Bible so menacing and then in art they're so friendly looking? I guess it depends on which end of the wrath you're on. Doesn't hurt to have one behind you fighting on your side. 
Probably not so pleasant to have one against you. I'm going to go ahead and pass on, on that. I'm going to try to stay on the side of the angels. Dr. Jesse, can you please explain ballot harvesting and how it typically works in practice, especially in Democrat machine-controlled cities? I assume it was put on steroids, so on, so on. I, I'll explain what I know about it because I had an expert on my show recently about it. Um, give me just a sec. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Ballot harvesting. Talked about this a little bit earlier in the week, but this is just a little bit expanded. Here's what happens. Pressure, social pressure, peer pressure is extremely effective, extremely effective. And you'll get people, their precinct, their little area, and you'll get someone in charge of that little area politically. And they'll have people working for them. And this is real rough because it is rough because it works differently everywhere. But you'll have, I brought up the nursing homes. This is something that absolutely happens. You'll mail out ballots to nursing homes. All right, so all these, you have 100 people in this nursing home. We mailed out ballots to all of them. Let's say you're going to have some people in there that obviously vote and send it in. But you know you're going to have tons of them who don't. People are always manipulating elderly people. Sometimes they don't even give them the ballots when they come in the mail. You have somebody in the nursing home, hardcore Democrat, friend of yours. Hey, all those ballots that get there, set them aside for me, please. Then election night comes. Your guy happens to be down 10,000, 20,000 votes in a state he needs. You have a list. You are organized ahead of time. Okay, get in the car. We have to go to this nursing home and this nursing home and this nursing home and this nursing home and pick up a box, a bag, whatever you want to call it. And you go and pick up a bunch of people's ballots. That's why they're, That's why you hear so much talk about dating the ballots verifying things with signatures, and that's why the Democrats worked so hard in these states to get out of doing those things. You go pick up 100 ballots here, 100 ballots there, 100 ballots there. Go sit down for 20, 30 minutes, open them up. Joe Biden, Joe Biden, Joe Biden, Joe Biden, Joe Biden. 
fold them up, put them in the envelope, and go drop them off. And then the place you drop them off. What if, like in Pennsylvania, they were told, hey, 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 any of these mail-in ballots that get dropped off, they do not get mixed in with the election day ballots. And they were told this. And I'm like, oh, okay, sure. But then you take those ballots. Let's say you brought 500. I'm totally making up these numbers. You take them because you're a Democrat activist. You don't want to take a chance on getting caught or losing the votes. You dump them in with the election day ballots anyway and do the old childlike mix everything up thing. Oh, I didn't follow your rules. Sorry. Guess I forgot. Can't unmix them now. What do you do now to prove what was late, what was early? That's ballot harvesting. It works beyond just nursing homes, too. It it flat out works in neighborhoods. You'll go to these hardcore Democrat neighborhoods, especially poor ones. They'll just have people going around knocking on doors. Hey, you have your ballot? Give me your ballot, please. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, who are you with? I'm, I'm collecting your ballot. I'm, what are you talking about? I'm with the elections. I'm here to collect your ballot. I didn't fill it out. Oh, that's fine. Here, here. Give me your ballot. They'll, they'll drop them off. They'll go snatch them up out of mailboxes. They'll snatch them up from the post office. Have you noticed something? You notice how many post office employees have come forward saying, whoa, hey, man, there was some ugly stuff going on at my post office during election. Hey, my post office was doing bad stuff. We have ugly, ugly things happening out there. That's how you do ballot harvesting. You mail them out. Then you take them from people. Fill them out yourself. And there's so much, like I said, you think you would say no, but you're somebody who listens to my show. You probably watch conservative media of some kind. You undoubtedly look at several different websites. You think the normal person, the average person, doesn't want to think about it and doesn't want to be bothered. And the average person is very intimidated by somebody who looks like they're in a position of authority. Someone shows up in your home right now. Now, you probably wouldn't, but understand this. I could go home, throw on a pair of jeans, a button-up shirt, drive down to the local copy shop, and print off a badge with my face on it, which would take all of about five minutes. Put it in a little lanyard. I actually have a little lanyard at my house, a little clear lanyard. How many doors, if I walked around a, a normal neighborhood, hey, I'm Jesse Kelly with the elections, I need to come, or I'm Jesse Kelly, I need to come uh, inspect the gas inside your home. How many people would let me in? You'd be shocked how many people would let me in. Oh, don't get me wrong, you'd have several people who don't, but you'd have so many who would. Now put that badge on me and... I'm Jesse Kelly with the Elections Commission. I'm here to collect your ballot. I haven't filled it out. Oh, it's, it's, there's been a mistake. We're just collecting all the ballots. We shouldn't have mailed it out. How many ballots do I collect if I do that day after day and you do that with me day? I know you have this block and I have that block and we have people on that block. Are you starting to see how it can work? How it can work in mass quantities? That's why I don't, I I find it ridiculous. These people, of course, it's all the people who hated Trump on our side for four years. These numbers are so ridiculous. 
Maybe they got a few votes, but they could never get that many. Let me clarify. Maybe they only did get a few. Maybe they didn't get that many. But don't tell me this can't happen on a massive scale. Of course it can. Of course it can. Politics are organized down to the local level. I know you probably have never gone. I get that. I ran for Congress a couple times, so I have gone. You know that you have a precinct assigned to you. You have a precinct assigned to you. And you know your precinct, the Republicans in your precinct, probably meet once a month. I bet you didn't even know that, did you? Because it's almost impossible to find out the information. If you're interested in something like that, go look on your county, most likely your county Republican page. And they'll have, they'll have information about precinct committee meetings and stuff. And you'll show up and there'll be 15, 20 people you never knew existed. And those are the shock troops on election day. Well, I've got news for you, Jack. Democrats have them too. And Democrats play that game a little differently than we do. That's ballot harvesting. Ask Dr. Jesse Friday, 877-377-4373. You can email your questions. Don't worry if I didn't get to it. I'm getting to them. I keep them even if I don't get to them this week. You're first in line for next week. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. The entire show is podcasted. Immediately after the show, Chris puts it up on Google, iHeart, Spotify. He puts it up on iTunes. Go to iTunes if you wouldn't mind. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a five-star review. Leave a review talking about how handsome I am. It's critical for the show. Critical, Chris. What? It is. It is. I know management's salty about it. It's not my problem. Dear Ravishing Dr. Jesse, a.k.a. the handsome one, the showstopper, the icon. (laughs) I love you guys. Can you please share some grooming and fashion tips so mutants like us can look a fraction as handsome as you are? Well, look. There's no way I can make you even close to as handsome as I am. Obviously. Two, I don't know anything about grooming and fashion. I have a beard trimmer. I don't even use like face creams and stuff. I use soap and shampoo and I get out of the shower. Hang on. to the Jesse Kelly show. Carshield.com. You know one of the great things about Carshield auto protection plans, maybe the greatest thing, is the options on choosing my own mechanic or dealership where I want the repairs to take place because I've I've had these auto protection plans, different ones from different companies for a long time, and I'm telling you from personal bad experiences, this is how it often goes. Something wrong happens to your car, wreck or otherwise, and you need repairs. You get a hold of your auto protection plan company and tell them, hey, this happened, I need repairs. And they say, oh, okay, well, here's the dealership 
singular you can take your car to. And it turns out it's never the one convenient for you. At CarShield, you get to choose your mechanic. You get to choose the dealership. Go to carshield.com. That's carshield.com. Use the promo code JESSE. That saves you 10%. A deductible may apply. Chris, we've had some requests for intervention, a success story once again. Dial it up. This was from, I think it was Reason.com. We've played this thing before. We were talking about our non-interventionist foreign policy stance for the most part on the show. Sometimes you got to go kick some rear end. But it was such a great, I love tongue-in-cheek. I love dry tongue-in-cheek because I think it's so biting. Is that is that what I love about it, Chris? I think it just really... It really knifes some people. Like if you're one of these boots on the ground everywhere you go, uh, this has to, th- this has to hurt. A new and glorious dawn breaks over the Middle East, where rigorous American bombing campaigns have blasted the region into a friendly golf course of democracy. It's all a part of America's comprehensive, methodically planned foreign policy strategy. Let's look back at our nation's glorious adventures in intervention, a success story. 1953. The United States topples the democratically elected government of Iran and installs a king favorable to our oil interests. The Shah likes America, ensuring that our nations will be friends forever. In 1979, Iran ousts the Shah, which America had helpfully installed, and is inexplicably distrustful of the United States meddling in its affairs. But don't worry, when Iraq and Iran go to war a year later, President Reagan provides aid to America's good friend Saddam Hussein, thus ensuring peaceful relations with Iraq forever. During the Cold War, Islamicist fighters in Afghanistan square off against the godless Soviets. America aids a group of staunch anti-Russians called the Mujahideen, including an energetic young man named Osama bin Laden, thus ensuring a beneficial relationship between the United States and Afghanistan forever. In 1991, America goes to war with Iraq's evil dictator Saddam Hussein, who had illegally occupied Kuwait. After a brief period of vigorous bombing, President Bush declares victory thus ensuring that America need never return to Iraq forever. In 2001, the United States declares war on the Taliban for shielding evil terrorist mastermind Osama bin Laden. We may never know how Afghanistan's ultra-conservative jihadist government came to power or from where they got their guns, but we do know that America's ongoing presence ensures a lasting peace with a grateful people forever. In 2003, President George W. Bush ousts evil strongman dictator Saddam Hussein, thus ensuring a democratic, prosperous Iraq forever. In 2011, President Barack Obama topples the government of evil Libyan dictator Muammar Gaddafi, thus ensuring a peaceful Libya forever, especially in Benghazi, forever. In 2016, Nobel Peace Prize winner President Obama drops over 26,000 bombs across seven different nations, thus ensuring blah, 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 forever. In 2017, Bashar al-Assad unleashes chemical weapons in Syria, provoking the wrath of new U.S. President Donald Trump. Trump fires a symbolic fuselage of missiles at Syria, thus solving the Assad problem forever. A year later, Bashar al-Assad unleashes chemical weapons again in Syria after apparently failing to notice the previous bombing. The direct threat to American national defense, which Syria poses, is self-evident. 
and President Trump authorizes a new strike against the regime, thus ensuring American safety forever. Today's scientists believe the Middle East is one strategic bombing away from a lasting peace. President Trump's fiery sucker punch in Syria could be that penultimate explosion the region so clearly needs. One strategic bombing away from everlasting peace. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's good, man. Dr. Jesse, from now on, when you eat out at Red Lobster, you have to eat the same meal every time. The meal includes one appetizer, one entree, and what des- and one dessert. What do you choose? Don't worry about the, ch- the there's a disclaimer. Don't worry about the cheddar cheese biscuits. Those are always coming to the table. <sighs> I love this subject. We may just do the rest of the show on this. What, Chris? Sit down, pull up a chair. I'm about to educate you on everything that is Red Lobster. One. When you walk into Red Lobster and you sit down, your appetizer is always the mozzarella cheese sticks. People do not know this. It's one of the best hidden menu items on planet Earth. Red Lobster's mozzarella cheese sticks might very well be the best cheese sticks ever. I don't know what it is. They're the perfect size. They're almost always the perfect temperature for as long as cheese sticks can be the perfect temperature. You order the cheese sticks. Then when you order your meal, and pay attention, when you order your meal, you need to create your own feast where you get two things. One, you get the shrimp scampi. If you want to double up on the shrimp scampi, that's going to be fine. Red Lobster has great shrimp scampi. They serve it in this little pool of garlic butter. It's delicious. Two, you get the shrimp Alfredo, only you make it Cajun. It's not going to be on the menu. Do not feel awkward at all. Every single Red Lobster, I've ordered it in every one I've ever been in, Every Red Lobster has it. Every single one. You get the Shrimp Alfredo. You get it Cajun. Believe me on this. It's fantastic. Sometimes, I admit, maybe that day the five-star chef is taking the day off. And sometimes when you get your Shrimp Alfredo, you'll find they've just thrown the, the, the Cajun seasoning on top. Not the end of the world. Mix it in yourself. I have, in very rare occasions, only had like a light sprinkling of Cajun seasoning. You can ask them for more. They'll bring you a little cup because that's the kind of cu- uh, customer service you get at Red Lobster that you can't get other places. Oh, I forgot to mention. When you create your own feast, they're going to ask you what you want for a salad. Get a garden salad. Make sure you remove the tomatoes because tomatoes are disgusting. And whenever tomatoes are in something, that's all you can taste. Remove the tomatoes and get blue cheese dressing. Another, shut up, Chris. It's not my fault you don't have any taste buds at all. Isn't blue cheese moldy? Yes, it's moldy, Chris. You just don't think about that. It's delicious mold. Gosh. You get the blue cheese dressing, another unknown fact, little known fact, I should say, Red Lobster 
has the best blue cheese in the history of mankind. I actually order extra blue cheese, and I sit and get to enjoy, if I ever talk her into actually going, I get to enjoy watching my wife stare on with horror as I dump a vat of blue cheese dressing on my salad, all the while telling her I'm eating healthy. Once you're done devouring every bite of your Cajun shrimp Alfredo, which you will, once you're done eating your shrimp scampi, which you're going to eat every single bite, of course, you need to take the Cheddar Bay biscuits. Don't be shy about asking for more. You can ask for more biscuits. I do it all the time. I get biscuits to go. Get some Cheddar Bay biscuits and dip them in the garlic butter of the shrimp scampi. One, it's good for you. Two, it's fantastic. Last but not least, because I don't order dessert at Red Lobster, I'll be frank with you, the desserts are not really what I want them to be. Order or just ask for a bag of the Cheddar Bay Biscuits to go. And make sure you give your waitress a nice tip for doing this extra effort for you. They will bring you a sealed, pretty much sealed, basic foil bag of these Cheddar Bay Biscuits. You ask for them to go. The next morning, go home, just set them on your counter, don't worry. The next morning, you wake up. You make some over-easy eggs. Crumble up some bacon or sausage, either one. You drop a bunch of shredded cheese, the bacon or sausage, and put your over-easy eggs on top of one of those biscuits in a bowl. Mix it all up. You're welcome. never completely ready to adopt a teen for late nights writing english papers for your teen's music taste for dinners where they talk more on their phone than with you for the first time they call you mom you're never completely ready to adopt a teen and you can't imagine the reward to learn more about adopting a teen visit adoptuskids.org brought to you by the u.s department of health and human services adopt u.s kids and the ad council Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org Shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Once again, remember my taco story from the other day? You remember? I even talked to the chef about it. I ordered something electronically. I told the story the other day. Specifically unselected one sauce electronically. Selected a different sauce. My tacos show up with the wrong sauce. 
once again now, as soon as the show's over, I'm going to, because I'm done paying for bad food, and I'm, you know, good tipper, nice to the waiter, waitress guy, but once again, as soon as the show's over, I'm going to go through the steps. It'll take me about five minutes to get a full refund on those tacos, and that restaurant is going to lose all that money, and it just... On some level, it's disheartening for society. On another level, it makes me hopeful for the level of success my sons are going to achieve. I understand the food industry is difficult. But if you can't look at a computer screen and read something simple, if you can't read this kind of Chipotle ranch, Grab the Chipotle ranch and place it in a bag. Brother, you're never going to make it anywhere. You've got you've to do better. You have to do better. So, I, 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 don't know another, I don't know another solution. It's not even really about the money. I want that manager, because this has happened several times. The same guy, I'm sure. I want that manager at the end of the day to go down his sheet and see why did we have to why did we give these tacos away and find out why and i want a training session tomorrow i know this is difficult to understand we actually should give the customer what they ordered i know that's radical yeah it's unbelievable look at how bitter i get about food chris you know how unhealthy that is Bitterness is not attractive either. It's maybe the most unattractive thing ever. You know what's really weird? Honestly, to go off on a little side note, I see this all the time on, you see it play out on social media all the time. Facebook, Twitter, all these things. People will unload their bitterness in public and obviously unload their bitterness. I think it says some sort of coping, like therapeutic thing. And they have no idea how unappealing it is, how bad it looks. And I think it's because so many of their friends and family feel the need to give, you know, sympathy comments and things like that. You'll see this. Divorced people are terrible at this absolutely terrible at this and this is not me judging divorced people but divorced people are so bad you'll see a dude do this all the time ah oh, figures women figures that's what all women do uh, just like my witch ex-wife did and you'll get he'll get have five of his buddies on there yeah man she was a witch they're all like that and because you get your buddies agreeing with you, you're like, yeah, they are like that. I think I'll put that up there again tomorrow. And you don't realize you're branding yourself as the bitter divorced woman hating dude. And nobody, even your buddies agreeing with you, nobody looks at that guy and thinks, man, you know what? He seems pretty cool. I bet I want to hang out with him. Women do this, too, just as bad. I wasn't just calling out dudes. You'll see this. Oh, I wish I could say this to men. Men do this. Oh, men. You know, everybody's all encompassing. Men are such scumbags like that. I figures something we have to do for men. 
And uh, th- look, the the girlfriends all jump in too. Oh, they are such dirt balls. Just like your ex was. Oh, I know. I hate men. Men are so stupid. And because you get caught in this echo chamber where your friends are, you feel like you have support, you don't realize everyone else is looking at it like, oh, gosh. Stay away from that harpy. You'll see it with people. Beyond relationship stuff, you'll see it with people in industries all the time. Business all the time. One guy gets ahead, and it's never easy. It's never easy to, to you know, see someone else get ahead when you want to get ahead. But one guy gets ahead, and the guy who didn't get ahead complains about him all the time. Inside the office, everybody Complains about him all the time. And here's what's wild about it. And this is wild. And you need to listen to this. Because this is true. I've seen it a thousand times in my life. The guy who got ahead five years later, still happy as a clam, probably doesn't even really know about the bitter guy's existence. The bitter guy, five years later, even more bitter and miserable. There's nothing less appealing and less interesting than bitterness and jealousy. Nothing. And people get false feedback when they express it because there's always another bitter, jealous person around to give them a pat on the back saying, yeah, you're right, he does suck. You totally deserve that promotion. You're better than he is, which only makes you more bitter. And you get in this bitterness echo chamber. He was better than you. Whatever the job was, he was better than you. Okay, not the end of the world. Improve. Do the best you can. Be happy. Be happy. Bitterness is boring. Dr. Oracle Steel Kelly. You, you handsome son of a shogun, I could use some wisdom over here. When the heck did BCE and CE creep into books and documentaries as opposed to BC and AD? And should it bug me as much as it does? When I'm reading up on something, I notice it. I start questioning the motive of the author. His name was Scott. He said I can use his name. You're not crazy. It should bug you. It bugs me to death. This is yet another one of those tiny little battles that people on the right don't want to bother with, but that end up mattering a lot in the long term because the left will win a thousand of these little battles and we dismiss them as unimportant. I've started noticing this in the last five or ten years. You can't say B.C. anymore because that means before Christ and what What if that offends somebody? So B.C. became B.C.E. before current era. And C.E. means current era. It's yet another example of people trying to rewrite our culture. Common era? It's common era? Oh, sorry. Common era, not current era. I got that wrong. B.C.E. stands for before common era. CE stands for common era. Man, I I would have swore it was current. Chris, are you sure about that? Look that up. 
Oh, you were educated with this. Really? I did not realize it was that old. So, okay, so about the last decade at least, that's what, okay, producer Chris, he's like 22 years old, something like that. I don't know, how old are you, 80? 24 years old. He said he was educated with this BCE stuff. I was not. I'm 39. I came up in BC and AD. So that tells you the time frame it happened. But I'll tell you something else it does. We don't think about this much. Who writes the history books? Have you ever thought about it? Let me talk about that real quick. Hang on. CBD works and CBD. The best thing you can say about it, it's natural. CBD is natural. We are all, myself included, we are all putting too many man made chemicals in our body. We just are. CBD gives you solutions that tell you you can walk away from that pill bottle. You're having sleep troubles. I know what those are like. If you're having sleep troubles, stop reaching for the bottle of pills. Try CBD. It's natural. It's easy on your body. If you're going through anxiety, and I know so many are, I'm not judging you. You have anxiety problems? Try CBD. If you have joint pains, try CBD and try it from Doctors Trusted CBD. Go to DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. That's DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get 10% off. Jesse Kelly. Oh, sorry. I, sorry, I was eating chips. I was eating some chips. I understand we're nationally syndicated now. I'm not just going to set aside the chips to work. <laughs> the BC AD stuff does matter. Who writes the history books? Have you asked? Have you asked your kid? Have you looked at your kid's history book? You seen what they learned? You should probably take more interest in it than you do. I'll ask my kids. What are you learning? Oh, we're learning about uh, ancient Persia. Okay. What are they teaching you about ancient Persia? What are they saying? We're learning about the uh, Revolutionary War. Okay. What about the Revolutionary War? Ask to read through their textbooks. If you don't hear me say anything else ever, hear me on this. Because I do a history segment every day and because I'm obsessed with history stuff, 
I consume vast quantities of history knowledge, as much as I can get my hands on. I read, I watch documentaries, I listen to podcasts, I consume hours of it, hours of it. No joke, I probably consume minimum two hours a day, if not more, of history stuff. I do. It's a lot. Uh, For once, I'm not doing that to brag. I'm doing that to tell you this. Even the history stuff is so incredibly manipulated by the social justice warrior left today. It's very, very difficult to cut through all that crap and get down to the actual truth of what actually happened. Many of them I have turned off. There are podcasts out there, and I'm not going to dime them out right now because this show is national and I'll end up sending a right-wing hate mob towards them, but there are several nationally known history podcasts out there. I've turned them off and I'll delete them and I'll never listen to them again. Sometimes I can cut through all that. Sometimes it's so much I can't even get what the story is. They'll spend 10 minutes on a one-minute subject because nine minutes of it is apologizing on behalf of white people or something. It's just terrible. Just because something is called history or about history does not mean it's safe for your and your kids' consumption. It's just not. That sucks, but it's true. That reminds me, somebody sent in and asked Dr. Jesse a question. I can't find it here. I'm sure it's in here somewhere. It was about a history podcast I love, only it was very, very, very much not for the kids. That one is called Time Suck, and I love it. He actually does a great job, a very, very good job. It's not perfect, obviously. He does a very good job of not doing what I talked about, crapping on everything that's America, crapping on everything that's white people, making sure we don't ever say anything bad about a minority or a woman. It's just history, the good and bad of all of us. And we're all good and bad, no matter our color or gender or culture. We all are. The podcast is called Time Suck with Dan Cummins. Chris, reach out to Dan Cummins. See if he wants to come on the show, actually. We would pay homage to Dan Cummins. He is, I guess, a stand-up comedian. Who got into this? It is, I have laughed until I cried listening to this history, but the dude is just hysterically funny while presenting great history stuff. And he'll go off and do voices and make fun of accents and nationalities. He's awesome. Absolutely awesome. However, I do have to stress this part it really is not for kids. Not for for kids. You understand me? Are you hearing me? Not for children. But it is very good. You don't A lot of people will write me and they'll complain about the history stuff that's out there because so much of it is so boring. I mean, I can't keep my family in the same room if I'm watching a documentary. I don't find it boring. I can watch a monotone documentary and then there was this happened in Vietnam and then the North Vietnamese were moving here. I can watch that and enjoy it because I'm getting a visual aspect from it and I'm I'm interpreting it my own way. But that's because I'm obsessed with this stuff. A lot of people, that's just brutal. 
I mean, it's just brutal. There's no storytelling involved. There's no, there's no humor. There's a, and then General Westmoreland talked to General Johnson, and they got with it. And it's just brutal. So I admire people who can present it in, a, in an interesting way. In an interesting way. And Time Suck is extremely enjoyable. It's not all history stuff. He does a ton of off-the-wall stuff. It is all free to download, though. What, Chris? Yeah, when I said he does off-the-wall stuff, he'll do cults and space lizards and conspiracy theories. But his history stuff is really good. It's all good. I, none of it's bad. It's all good. But I mean, awesome. Awesome. So there you go. Time suck. Enjoy it. All right. Hang on. We're not quite done yet. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. <laughs> Any part of the great Jesse Kelly show, you can catch the whole thing. It's podcasted at Google, iHeart, Spotify. Go to iTunes. And subscribe, if you would, for me. Leave a five-star rating and leave a review talking about how handsome I am. We have something very exciting coming for the show. Let's just put it to you this way. Chris and I got some very, very, very great news when it comes to the show. Uh, Those who are hoping the show's going to go away are going to be quite disappointed. Those who were hoping to hear the show more and more going to be very, very happy. Let's just put it to you this way. It was raise a glass toast time yesterday. Very exciting stuff coming. I'm not allowed to tell anybody yet, so I'm not going to do it. All I'm going to say is this. That's all I'm going to say. I was awesome this week. That's all.
The Jesse Kelly Show. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE. Or go to timesharejesse.com, Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters— with new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.